stuff. Welcome to episode 10 of Good Stuff Sports. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you have found the podcast where I talk to those in and around the sports that we love, and maybe some sports that we don't know so well. On today's show, I talk to Tim Janis, a.k.a. Eater X. He is a retired professional eater, and I saw him once on MTV, and I saw him on the Coney Island hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. Tim is extremely thoughtful and well-spoken about what it means to be a professional eater. And now, I'm not saying, and I think Tim would agree, that all young folks who listen to this should go out and professionally eat and eat a lot of, you know, there's all kinds of contests like sauerkraut or tamales or pizza or chicken wings, but rather, he makes really good points about the preparation that he would have to do sometimes to get ready for these big competitions. Anyhow, I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Tim, a sport that you may not know all that much about, but I'm really grateful to him for taking the time to talk to me. Hope you enjoy. Talk to you at the end of the show. Welcome, Tim Janis, to the Good Stuff Sports Podcast. How are you, Tim? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me today. Totally. So what you do, or what I know you as, um, I, I consider it a sport. Would you consider it a sport, competitive eating? Uh, I, I can see how it it could be considered one. I mean, to me, it's never mattered too much, but it's certainly, it's a physical thing. It's a competitive thing. It's something that you get better at with, uh, with hard work and practice. Uh Um, and, uh, you know, it's on ESPN and then it's, uh, it's certainly more athletic than other things that are considered sports like, uh, horse racing and and car racing and stuff like that. (laughs) So I totally get it why people make the case for it. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to make a pretty good case in a few minutes. We're going to talk about training, but, uh, your, your name, you had sort of a nickname and that was eater X. And along with the Eater X nickname came like some some like costume design. So can you tell me a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, um, you know the nickname Eater X was given to me by uh, George Shea, who was the chairman of uh, Major League Eating, um, and uh, he thought that I was a mysterious guy because I would always show up to contests with my face painted, uh, <laughs> thus obscuring my identity. And so uh, you know when I started, um, I thought I should have a nickname, and I. I remember sitting around with some friends trying to, to think of one and never really got to one that I loved. And so I finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to wait until they give me one. I'm going to earn it. And uh, as soon as they give it to me, I'm going to take it. Uh-huh. And so I waited a few a few months. And then uh, one day, George Shea just said, hey, I'm going to call you Eater X. And I thought, this is awesome. You know, you, you, you earn a nickname and it's real. Uh, if you just give it to yourself, it just seems kind of fake yeah. and not meaningful. So, yeah. I, I, you know, it really grew on me over time. Yeah, you totally earned it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, so let's let's travel a little bit back in time yeah. because I'm so curious to know when you figured out that this was something that you could do that you could be a competitive eater. I had always had a good appetite and I always took pride in uh in eating a lot. Um I don't know why. It's probably not that important <laughs> in life, but I remember, you know, being a kid and having, you know, seconds or thirds at dinner and that gave me a sense of of satisfaction. Um, and so when I started doing contests, which I just did for fun um, at, at first, uh, I thought, yeah, I'll probably do pretty well. You know, I had a good appetite. and uh, But I got to these contests, and it was a totally different league, a totally different world. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I realized, okay, it's not enough just to eat like I was eating dinner. I had to go at it, you know, with a lot more intensity, and I had to go a lot further than I'd ever gone before. Um, and so I, I was good, you know, but I, I certainly got better. And that was a very satisfying, you know, journey. 
Right. Do you remember the first contest you were in? It was uh, corned beef and cabbage, um, which uh, it was for St. Patrick's Day in 2004. Uh-huh. I think it was the day before St. Patrick's Day. Uh-huh. And uh, it was like, it was a five minute walk from my apartment, which it was just perfect for me. And, yeah, that uh, helps. So it wasn't like I sat there and I waited for a corned beef contest because I thought that would be the, the one that I would, you know, uh, sort of shine at. But it just was very convenient. And it was the first one coming up as soon as I discovered the world of competitive eating. And so I went to it and I had a great time. Uh-huh. Do you remember, like, did you place or were you in the running for a while or how did it go for you? Uh, <laughs> back then, uh, it was, you know, it was, the league was fairly new. And uh, I mean, it's, it'd been around, but it wasn't, it was still kind of growing and, and figuring out, you know, how to run contests and kind of tinkering and stuff. And so they really weren't concerned with uh, who finished outside of the top five that day. Mm-hmm. And I definitely finished outside of the top five. <laughs> uh, but looking around, I probably finished kind of middle of the pack out of, you know, 14 guys or so uh-huh. uh and so yeah it was okay and i thought you know what all right i didn't even know what i was doing and i did fairly well and uh i thought uh if i you know i thought if i go harder next time if i you know try to if i don't if i don't go at it with this sort of medium pace thinking that i'll outlast guys if i just go after it you know as fast as possible out of the gates i thought i'll probably do better and so i thought i have to go again and sort of see if that's true and so i went to another contest and that's what sort of uh, or how my journey kind of took off. It was seeing little things that I could tweak week to week mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, setting out to do them in the next contest and always, you know, seeing a little bit of improvement and a little bit of a reason to open and, uh, you know, going back again for more. Wow. So, so major league eating is the name of the, the, over, like the governing body. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. It okay. was initially called the international federation of competitive eating. It still goes by that name, but you know, it's, uh, it also goes by Major League Eating. I think they prefer that because mm-hmm. it's sort of just a little flashier and a little mm-hmm. simpler to, to say. And so to become a part of Major League Eating, did you have to like apply or you just showed up enough times that they're like, this guy's good, this guy's in? Yeah, there. I just kept showing up and uh, and then one day they offered me a contract and I thought, this is awesome. And oh, I think wow. I, you know, I, I was like, <laughs> I was when I got it, it was, you know, I was like, I'm going to print it out and frame it. And then I realized, no, it's like six pages. So if I frame this thing, it's like, what well, you know, just going to have six pages in different frames across uh-huh. my room. Yeah. So I, I didn't, but uh, I was very, I was very happy. I was excited to have that contract to sign. Yeah, that's so cool. Like a real contract to be in a real league to do something that you were sort of figuring out as you went. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it made it seem like, you know, some sort of weird sports dream. Yeah, well, that's sort of the crossover, I think. Like, you were taking it seriously, and there was a league for it, and you had a contract, and you had to go to events and things like that. Um, So so what's, I guess, like, um, I'm going to, I guess I'll start with this. What was your favorite, if you had to pick a favorite competition, or I guess food to eat, that you were like, this is my thing, what was it? You know, I wasn't the best in the world at it, but I was, you know, one of the best in the world at it. And I finished second two times at the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest on the 4th of July. Uh-huh. And that was that is the biggest contest in uh, in the world for competitive eating. It's the reason that every single competitive eater actually even bothers to compete. It's because they want to compete at Coney Island on the 4th of July. And so for me to go to that contest and do so well so many times... Uh, it just, I mean, I already loved the contest, but it made me fall in love with it even, even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved that contest. Um, I learned to love hot dogs because I knew that I had to love hot dogs in order to be good at that contest. Um, I loved preparing for it. I loved getting better at it. So there was no comparison to me between Nathan's and, and any other contest. And, uh, 
so hot dogs became my favorite food to eat in competition. Wow. So you you, you mentioned preparation. So what is yeah. what's preparation like? I mean, I guess we could take Coney Island or you can take a different competition, but how do you I, I mean there's an aspect of training that happens. There's an aspect of preparing. So what is that like for you? Yeah, there definitely is. And I didn't really prepare for other contests nearly as much as I would for Nathan's. Um, you know, if it was a chili eating contest, I wouldn't, I would just, I wouldn't even buy chili and, and try to eat it. I just, you know, would look at it and think, yeah, okay, I'll do this. Um, whereas a lot of guys were actually practicing chili, you know, for weeks in advance, you know, eating a couple gallons here and there. And so that probably was a mistake of mine, with not to, not to practice more with the actual food that we'd be competing with. But with hot dogs, you know, I would take a cue from other guys. And if, um, you know, if they were practicing hot dogs, then I would practice hot dogs. And initially, when I first started, it was like, you know, eat, eat five hot dogs, see what happens, uh, see how fast they are, and then extrapolate and say, okay, I ate five in a minute, maybe I'll eat, you know, 60, and, uh, which is not the case because you always slow down minute mm-hmm. to minute. But um, over time, I, I, you know, I, I heard that guys were, you know, doing full runs, uh, you know, two or three times a week. Wow. And that meant cooking up 50 or, well, whatever you could eat at the time, so 30 or 40 or 20 or 50 or 60, and they were just doing these full runs at home, and, and uh, they were swearing by the improvements they were getting, saying, yeah, this is working. And so I thought, okay, mm-hmm. I guess I've got to do that. So I would go, and I would I would buy you know, whatever I thought I could eat that, that day, and I would cook them up, and I would eat them as fast as possible. Um, I didn't do it two or three times a week. You know, I think the most I ever did was like 10 or 11 practices in one year, which uh-huh. is a lot for me. And it's kind of expensive, to be honest. It's you know, 50 or 60 bucks a practice. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I would do that. And sure enough, you know, my numbers, they steadily improved. Not like a, you know, not the, the biggest jump I actually got was sort of mysterious. It was just literally I, I didn't eat hot dogs from July 4th until April of the next year. And I just changed my mindset. And I went from eating like 40 to eating, you know, 50. Um, and that, that didn't make any sense to me. But it just it was as if like something kind of clicked in my head. Yeah. Um, but you know, the practice helped. And, uh, so it was an important part of, of, of getting better and getting geared up for each contest. Yeah. Do you, so speaking of that, I guess like the contest itself, you are, I actually think we are closer in age than I thought we were. I think you're, okay. you're just a couple years older than me. So, you know, we were, we were growing up together while you were competitive yeah, yeah. eating. I was just eating like a slob for no real reason other than because <laughs> I liked it. But, um, so is there some and and if you don't know the answer that's okay but is there some science like you are you know you are not a what i would describe as like a big guy right like you're you're fit Correct. you're in yeah. shape um so and, and there's a few of the the um, competitive eaters that sort of fit that physical description and then there's sort of the other side of it who are who are people who you know have like you know, for lack of a better word, and I do not mean to offend anyone, but like big bellies, right? Like the big belly guys that come in and they might be perceived as the favorite. So is there any like explanation as to how someone like you can fit so much into (laughs) into, like a much smaller belly situation than like a a really big person? You know, it's kind of like that old saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And Uh so uh, you can't look at somebody on the outside and see what their stomach can do on the inside because it really comes down to how much does your stomach uh, stretch. Uh, And then it comes down to how much are you willing to utilize that stretch. So for me, you know, my stomach, it stretches a lot. It's very elastic, so it can accommodate food if I'm willing to to put all that food in me and feel gross. Other people, they uh, they may not have the elastic stomach, 
they may not have the the willingness to feel terrible uh, as they're eating and after they're eating, or they may not have both. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have both in order to be successful, and you just can't look at a person and, and figure out you know which guy it is that's got both. It's just a general life lesson, isn't it? Never judge a book by its cover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's amazing. So. Do you taste what you're eating when you're like going going big at like the hot dog contest or or a chili contest? Like, do you do you have a flavor situation happening, or is it just like let's go, let's go, let's go? You do. You can't help but taste it a little bit. Um, and the initially you don't really taste it much, or you don't care what it tastes like, or it even tastes pretty good in the beginning. But you know, after as you start filling up, um, because your body really doesn't want to be that full. I mean, we're getting we're not just getting full; we're getting full to very unnatural levels uh-huh. uh so your body kind of starts to, it starts to reject it in certain ways your gag reflex gets heightened mm-hmm. uh and so you see guys sort of struggling to contain food they've just swallowed and that's just you know momentary it, it, it you, you start to gag and then you get it down and then it, you know things relax again right. but also a part of that is that your your uh your sense of taste gets heightened as well and so uh little things that you wouldn't think much of start to stand out as being gross. And I remember we ate a pastrami one time um, in a contest and it's the, it's the best pastrami uh, on a regular day when you're eating a regular amount. Yeah. But there's a smokiness to it. And, you know, about halfway into the contest, I found that smokiness just repulsive. And, uh, and so, you know, at times you can't help but notice the, the flavor, but you know, it's just, it's part of it. You just have to push past that too, or tune it out if you can. Yeah. Yeah. That would, I mean, that's interesting, right? Like pastrami is one of my favorite foods, but to eat, right. (laughs) It's amazing. But to eat it to the point where it starts to like physically like take a toll on you. That's crazy. Yeah. Where all you notice is the smoke. That's the very strange thing. Yeah. Ah, wow. Amazing. Um, so you're a, you're a record holder. I, yeah, I am. I, I have fewer than I used to have because I've been retired for a couple of years, and then also I had stopped defending uh, most of them uh-huh. because I, 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 the last couple of years that I was a competitor, I really dialed it back, and uh-huh. uh, you know I was doing five contests a year. I wasn't, you know, so so I've lost a few. I'm not entirely sure which ones I've lost, but I've lost a few. Yeah. Um, but so just, I'm, I'm just going to list some, and yeah, uh, sure. and if there's anything noteworthy about them, let me know. So. Four pounds of tiramisu in six minutes. Yeah, that was my first uh, contest, or my first victory ever. Oh wow! So that was a, it was meaningful for that reason. Yeah, totally. It was delicious too. Well, tiramisu is delicious. That's great. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I'm happy to hear that. Like you can still say, "Oh, tiramisu is delicious." Yeah, you, you can't have too much of that. Yeah, so don't worry. <laughs> okay, hear that out there. Listen up. You can never have too much tiramisu. Um, Seventy-one tamales in ten minutes. That was a great record. That was. Uh, a lot of fun, but it was a terrible feeling afterwards. It was like eating uh, sandbags. It just—that's oh. how it sat in my stomach afterwards. Wow. Oh my gosh! All right, um, ten point seven five eighteen ounce burritos, which is twelve point one pounds of burritos in twelve minutes. Oh yeah, I love that contest. It was uh, usually you go to a contest and uh, it's sort of a, a regional dish that you're eating. So if you go to uh, like Texas, they had tamales there. If you go. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to think of where else. The, the hot dog was sort of, you know, popularized on Coney Island right. uh, in the U.S. Um, but this one was burritos, and it was held in Maine. It oh, didn't make a lot of sense, yeah, but it was fun. Make sense. That's pretty fun. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. Okay, uh, <laughs> 141 pieces of nigiri sushi in six minutes. Yeah, that was uh, out in San Francisco. We were uh, we had a video game that featured a few uh, of the major league eaters, myself included, and it was made. 
for the Nintendo Wii. Uh And so uh, that was, I went there to help promote the opening of the game. And uh, they gave me sushi. Uh, They didn't have enough money for the fish, so they put vegetables on top, which was actually probably very nice. Yeah, that's probably better in the long run than than having that much raw fish. Okay, and then the one that that I'm happiest to see is boneless buffalo wings. I'm a big chicken wing person. 7.7 pounds in 12 minutes. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was uh, it, there was one year I did it a couple times, and there was one year though where it, they I think they used too much butter uh-huh. uh, in the sauce, and that was uh, the most disgusting of the years that we ate those boneless wings. Yeah, a little gross. Okay, <laughs> that sounds nasty. Um, so before we get to the next phase, what is like the day after? Like, I don't want like you know, I'm not asking like specific like things that happen but like after so for example after 7.7 pounds of boneless buffalo wings are you like up and moving around the next day or are you just like on the couch feeling it i you know i tend to feel pretty decent considering what i had done the day before um but you know if you ate something with a lot of salt you may be a little bit puffy that day um if you ate something spicy you may feel it still either in your stomach or in your throat um you know, but overall, it's not too bad. You're just not that hungry. Um, yeah. You probably, I don't really, I didn't really get hungry until sort of the late afternoon or the evening um, of the day after a contest. Mm-hmm. But I never had any effects that you know sidelined me for the next day. I was always okay. Well, that's good. Um, which was nice. Yeah, the day of was the harder part. You know, after right, you like compete, after you finished, yeah, you got to. Yeah, go that was tough. Walk it off a little bit, maybe. I don't. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So, <laughs> um, are there? I mean, there must be, but without getting into it. But are there stories of people who are just like really not feeling well right afterwards or the next day, and like, you know, had to seek medical help or something like that, or for the most part, I, people just like able to handle it? Nobody, no one I knew ever had to seek medical help, like because of the contest itself. Um, but you know, the day of, you're just you're pretty much worthless for a long period of time because, uh, yeah, it's just it's not a good feeling. At first, you know, maybe the first half hour after a contest, if you've eaten a lot in it, uh, you feel fine because you have a lot of adrenaline kind of kicking in and, and hiding the discomfort. But uh-huh. after 45 minutes or an hour, the adrenaline starts to wear off, and then you start to become aware of this just uh, vague kind of annoying pressure in your stomach, and the yeah. longer it goes on. Uh, the more intense uh, the annoyance becomes. And yeah. so, you know, after a couple of hours, you're just kind of miserable. It's like how many people feel after Thanksgiving, probably times like five or six or ten even. Yeah, and, and you know, the weird thing too about your stomach is it's the how much you, or how quickly you digest or how slowly you digest, I think it's sort of, it grows, I think, exponentially with um, how much you ate. And so, you know, if I go out and I eat, you know, a pizza, uh, the way you digest things, it's it's partly through stomach acid. It's partly, mostly, I think, through uh, peristalsis of the stomach. So your stomach moves around and kind of mushes things up more, and and then it passes through each stage of your intestines. But if you eat, you know, five or six pizzas, uh, not only is that more food that you have to go through, but your stomach really can't move around much. It's it's stuffed, and it just can't move, and and you know, sort of help the digestion process. So it takes longer. So it takes longer. It goes slower. And it has more to get through and ends up being just, you know, a, a eight or 10 or 12 hour process instead of, you know, a one or two hour process. Yeah, that's got it. That's got to lay, lay someone out for quite a while. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you're not just, you known as a professional eater, but you're also known as yeah. a professional burper. Oh yeah. yeah oh, that oh, was... yeah. oh yeah. 
it, it makes sense. I think it's a yeah, natural it marriage. It of goes, two, yeah, yeah, it two goes talents. together. So you, have, I don't know if you still hold the world's record, but for a time, maybe still to this day, you are the world burping champion crowned by the world burping federation for a burp that lasted 18.1 seconds. Yeah. I still am the champion You're and that's actually champion. something I'm, yeah, very, very proud of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I understand it's very silly, but I was so happy to win that, that contest. Um, and it's such a, a silly, dumb thing to have on my resume. Uh-huh. That, uh, but I'm very, I'm very pleased with that. I, I don't say that's silly. I say that's like heroic. <laughs> <laughs> Is there was there practice that went into that, or are you just like you have the gift of being able to, you know, eat a lot of food, but you also have the gift of having gigantic burps. Was it that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I knew I could. I knew I could burp pretty well. Um, uh-huh. and I'd never really try to see for how long. I would just, you know, if I wanted to burp, I would just gulp enough air so that i could make a nice burp yeah but when i heard about the contest i i thought oh i could probably burp for a long time and so i went home and i i you know i gulped a lot of air and i could i saw yeah for sure i can burp a long time uh-huh. um but i didn't I, you know i wanted to practice a lot and i told myself i said i'm gonna practice like you know many burps a night until this contest and i'm gonna hone my technique and figure out what works best but it was so uncomfortable practicing for that burping contest that I just didn't really have the inclination or the discipline uh, to go home and practice, you know, for a half hour or an hour a day. I would go home and I would practice one burp, and I'd be like, "All right, yeah, I can't do another burp yeah. right now. I'm, I'm, I'm beat." So, so I didn't really figure out what works best in competition. I, I think that 18.1 seconds. I, I think I could improve upon that if I really you know, worked hard and tried to figure out, uh, yeah. new techniques, but it's still a pretty good number. Um, and it won, it won the day and that was enough. And, and I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, there's a YouTube I watched. So in doing my, this is like the most fun research I've ever done but like, yeah. in do, in doing yeah. the research. I, I watched you and you're like, you know, swallowing air essentially. And then you drank like a huge seven up. Like that's, yeah. that's not like a, a good feeling. So I imagine like after you get that 18.1 second and you're talking about like making sure you get it out of all the different like compartments and places and it's just fascinating to watch that's got to be like after you get that burp out it's got to be like a triumphant feeling like no other oh the the one the winning burp i mean it was yeah it was exhilarating i mean because it, it just kept coming <laughs> and as it kept coming i was almost surprised and then you know it was there was a little bit of a crowd they're not huge but media mostly and then the competitors and they just kind of at some point in the burp, they became aware of how long it was. And you could hear them, you know, audibly gasping and ooing and eyeing, and then yeah. breaking out into applause and, and, and celebration when I finished. And it was really fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I made some mistakes there. I realized, you know, I, I was drinking all that, that liquid. I was gulping air and then drinking liquid, thinking that that would help. And in fact, I think what it did was actually it compressed the burp. Whereas if I hadn't drunk all that liquid, it would have come out. Uh, a little breathier, but it would have uh-huh. come out uh, over a longer period of time, and who knows if I would have gotten you know twenty two or twenty three seconds out of it instead of eighteen. Oh, so that's interesting. I so, actually made yeah. a mistake there. Yeah. So the soda didn't help. In, in I don't way. think it did. I thought it would, you know, but it what it does is it just creates more pressure, but that more pressure means that the air is coming out faster, so you yeah. you uh, you kind of you, you run out of it faster. Okay. Cool. Um, so let's say that there's someone listening and hopefully there are many people listening, you know, that's how these things go. But if, yeah. they, if they were to ask you, I am interested in starting to be a competitive eater. Yeah. This is, yeah. A, I, I have a similar story. I can eat a ton. Um, what would be your recommended places to start? I guess, like, are there certain foods that are just known to be a little bit 
easier to get started with? You know, I I would never. It depends on a couple of things. One, I mean, it's uh, it really is something that uh, there's a risk factor involved. So if anyone wants to be a competitive eater, they shouldn't at a, at a young age be going eating too quickly. I think that's that's it's very it's dangerous. I mean, you can always choke on something, and uh, so uh, that that's part of it. They um. It's it's best to choose a food that uh, is not too chewy, that falls apart easily, that can't get stuck in your throat easily. So, um, you know, if you were eating like tamales, were actually a good food because they they really aren't held together by much. They break right. apart very easily, and if something were to get stuck in your throat, it's gonna it's gonna fall apart with a little bit of water and a little bit of just you know uh, swallowing effort. But if you eat something like a, a piece of dry bread, that's right. a very dangerous thing to eat quickly. It, it gets stuck and uh, you know, you're not just going to pour water on and, and have it slide down your throat. So there's right. things like that where people really have to be careful. Um, and yeah, so I, so I always, you know, I, it's it wasn't something that even though it was a lot of fun uh, and it looked like a lot of fun, it looked very silly. There is a, a dangerous element to it that people always have to be careful of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, it it, it is. You may there may be the perception that it's silly, but for anyone yeah. to be able to eat like. 45, 50 hot dogs on TV on the July 4th. And for a time there, it was like the hottest thing around. Like I would say like four or five years maybe. um, Yeah. Which is when I think you were at your height as well. Like there's, there's a, I I would just watch that in awe and amazement that people could, people like you could do that. So I think that it's uh, totally appropriate to give a a warning to people um, when starting to do this because it is, you know, competitive eating. You had a contract. It was something that you did professionally for a little while. And it's not like, you know, like what I did with my friends when we were sitting in the kitchen eating like vanilla ice cream and ketchup just to like be disgusting. Right, so right. There, there's, there's a real a competitive edge to it. Yeah, and I, I signed a waiver before every contest. We had an EMT present at every contest, and, and we were very, you know, we've been very fortunate, and it's partly because uh, our eaters have a lot of experience and sort of know when to dial it back. But our guys make mistakes too, and and uh, and all you have to do, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't find any instances of, of major league eaters um, needing medical assistance if you Google things. There, there haven't been any problems like that at our contest we're very lucky but also we, we work very hard to avoid those those problems but if you google uh you know some of the injuries and and there are are plenty uh, around the world um that have occurred over the last 10 years and it seems like a couple every year where someone uh takes things too lightly or just has terrible terrible luck and it you know it ends up kind of tragically so right. so yeah people have to be very careful with this stuff it's a lot of fun but it's also something that has risk Great. Well, thank you. You're an ambassador, ambassador to the game for sure. So, Tim, how how can we follow you and keep up with you? Um, you know, I have a Twitter account. Uh, that's about the only social media that I have. There's a, a fake Facebook page. Uh, the person is kind and doesn't write anything bad, so I just allow them to continue on. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, but the only thing I've got is uh, Twitter. I guess I have LinkedIn as well. So, okay. Okay. if you want to be a LinkedIn to somebody who cannot help you in your career, uh, feel free to link in with me. Uh, or just follow me at uh, twitter.com backslash eaterx. Although I don't really tweet about competitive eating anymore. It's just kind of random. You know, yeah, well, I mean, you were, uh, as I told you, I saw you on MTV, and I was like, that's my guy. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So, Tim, thank you so much for your time, and thanks for sharing yeah. your story. And uh, it was amazing to hear you talk about it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. So, All right, cool. Take care. You too. Thanks. Right, bye. 
big thanks again to Tim for taking the time to talk to me and for taking it seriously. You know, competitive eating for those who are in it is a really big deal. And there are people who follow it for sure. And I love the 4th of July Coney Island hot dog eating contest. I watch it every year. And that's what I do. And I think there's lots of people like me. And there are lots of people like me who probably think that they could be a professional leader, but I don't think that I have what it takes. Just based on talking to Tim, I don't think I have the willpower. I think there's an underlying current of willpower that's involved in being a professional leader, and I just don't think I have it. But then again, this is not about me. So if you're listening to this and you think you have the willpower, follow some of Tim's advice. Take some of his suggestions. See what you can do. Thanks for listening. Talk to you very soon. Good stuff. stuff.